Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! I'm back, so deal with it. Let's do this! Finally, The Rock has come back! Live TV is awesome. The spirit of Ultimate Warrior will run forever! How's it going, folks? Graham, Jesus, and Matthews here for June 30th, 2015. This is WrestleRant Radio. So here's the dilemma. I'm recording this on the Sunday before Tuesday, something I rarely, I don't think I've ever done before. I'll be traveling for most of the week. I'll be on vacation from Monday to Friday. So it's very unlikely I'll have time to sit down for an hour and record the show on Tuesday after Raw, after Slammiversary. So I'm recording this on Sunday. I did find enough topics to talk about. Today's episode might be shorter than usual. Might be just short of an hour. We'll have to wait and see. I might ramble on and fill that hour. Uh, Time will tell. But nevertheless, though, there is a lot to talk about in regards to TNA. I do not talk about TNA too much on this show. I did at the end of last week's episode. By the way, if you haven't already, make sure to go out of your way to check out last week's show, edition of WrestleRant Radio, for my exclusive interview with former WWE star, current TNA star, Brodus, now known as Tyrus and TNA. Uh, Brodus Clay, that is. The Funkasaurus, we talk all about his time in NXT. The failed fourth season of that show, he we conspired with to almost win the entire competition. His shoot promo when he got eliminated, um, getting to the main roster, being paired with Del Rio. That promo, how it got paired, how it paired him with Del Rio in the end. Uh, management's view on him, their perception of him from his size and whatnot, how the Funkasaurus gimmick got over, how it didn't get over, why it didn't work in the end, his pairing with Warren Swagwell, turning heel, going back to NXT, going to TNA, acting, doing commentary. As you can tell, it's a pretty loaded interview. So make sure to go back and check it out on last week's episode. He's a great dude. It's almost a 45-minute long interview. Had a lot of fun talking to him. And that is on last week's episode if you haven't already checked it out. So as I mentioned today, we're, we're talking all about uh, and breaking down TNA from last week, their live episode, which I actually did enjoy on the whole. I thought last Wednesday was a great Wednesday for wrestling. You know, 24 hours removed from Tough Enough. I'm not going to be talking about Tough Enough here today on the show. I gave my in-depth analysis, my thoughts on it, my full review of the season premiere of Tough Enough from last Tuesday, as well as my thoughts in the 2011 season, the 2011 installment from a couple years ago, of course, as seen in the WWE Network, in a 25-minute long video blog for the YouTube channel. So make sure to go head on over to the YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash C backslash Graham GSM Matthews for my latest random video blog that was posted on Friday and much more exclusive content including full reviews of pay-per-views that I watch on the WWE Network all summer long and watching SummerSlam pay-per-views from the very first one to the very latest one from 2014 um, Q&A videos and everything else so subscribe to the YouTube channel for that uh, exclusive content but as I mentioned, no Tough Enough talk here today. But I did enjoy the return of Tough Enough in a nutshell. I thought it was good. I'm looking forward to the return, the second episode this Tuesday or tonight or whenever you're watching this or whenever you're listening to this re, uh, to this episode. Um, I am looking forward to it. I think it's going to be pretty good. A lot of people are not high on the American Idol-esque format. But, 
you know, I think it's something that people just might have to get accustomed to over time. I know it's very much different from the last season where Stone Cold Steve Austin was the uh, was the host and he was grilling people left and right, getting the candid, you know, giving his candid thoughts on each competitor and stuff like that. It was an awesome show, and I think this show will be awesome for different reasons as well. And the live aspect of it, the live element, where it allows the fans to kind of interact and kind of choose who they think should stay around and stick around, um, will be kind of making it a little bit different from the last season, for better or for worse. But like I said, though, I'm looking forward to seeing where that show goes uh, from this point forward. I'm looking forward to the second episode on Tuesday, live on the WWE, or excuse me, on the USA Network. But as I mentioned before... TNA talk on tonight's episode. So there's a lot of TNA news going on right now from last week's episode to Slammiversary tonight from when I filmed this. Like I said, this is going up on Tuesday, so it's already happened. Um, I'm not going to be watching live. I'm working 4 to 10 tonight, but um, maybe tomorrow. I really have no idea when I'm going to watch the pay-per-view. Because like I mentioned, I'm going to be working tonight. I'm going on vacation on Monday. We're leaving very early, and then I won't be back until Friday. I'll probably watch it at some point during the week, and honestly, I don't really care. You know, because like I talked about on last week's episode, there's an excerpt of me talking about it on the YouTube channel. I, you know, they've completely neglected their slummer, their, their summer slam, their slammiversary pay per view. In that, you know, they waited until the very last freaking minute, and I'm not a fan of that whatsoever. You know, when it comes to WWE, Ring of Honor, any wrestling promotion, TNA doesn't matter. I am not a fan of waiting until the very last possible second to sell viewers on a pay-per-view. That's great. If you want, you know, that's the whole purpose of a go-home show. But you don't wait until six days before the pay-per-view to confirm your entire match card. You should be slowly building it over the course of a couple weeks. That's what WWE is doing going into the Battleground pay-per-view. So I commend that. TNA, you know, even worse yet, Slam, I keep on saying SummerSlam, I'm thinking about it because it's 56 days away from when I record this, 54 days away from, from Tuesday, and I will be there in attendance, so I can't wait for it, I'm super excited, but, um, you know, Slam, Slamiversary is their SummerSlam, you know, it's like their second biggest show of the year next to Bound for Glory, and I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, they completely neglected Bound for Glory last year when they were over in Japan, they didn't give that show any treatment whatsoever, any proper treatment. They didn't give two shits about it. So like I said, I guess I should not be surprised with how they've treated Slammiversary no differently. You know, Bound for Glory, I think it was recorded, you know, it was pre-taped in Japan and they just never hyped it up. And the same thing with Slammiversary. They tried to make it mean something. I became a little bit more excited for the pay-per-view this past Wednesday with the shocking return of Jeff Jarrett. And a few others, a few other matches made confirmed for the card. I'm not doing predictions. Like I said, by the time you listen to this, it's already occurred. But, you know, in the end, though, they, they really left a lot on the table. And I know they're building to a Bell to Bell episode on Wednesday. It's not live. They already recorded it. I don't read spoilers. I know a few things coming out of the tapings from this past week, which I'll be talking about. Not huge spoilers. There are things that were made public on Twitter and other things. So, you know, it's not that big of a spoiler if it's kind of already on a dirt sheet or whatever. I don't go into the, the spoiler reports because I like to find out and wait and watch the shows to find out for myself. But going back to what I was saying before, though, you know, they just have so they have so much time to make this pay-per-view mean something. And, and I know they're building to that episode on Wednesday, the belt-to-bell thing with three championship matches, which is cool. And it's very obvious they're, they're, they're desperate for ratings right now. And their live episode, and I mean, I use that in air quotes, like the episode that I went to back in January wasn't technically, you know, quote-unquote live. It was recorded a couple hours beforehand, and they can't afford to do it live because, like I said, when I went to the January show back on January 7th, I think it was, 
they couldn't do it live because they ran into so many issues that if they did it live, they would have been they would have been screwed. So I'm glad they didn't you know they didn't make that mistake. But you know it's it's quote unquote live. But the rating for this past Wednesday show, which I thought was good, because like I said, last Wednesday, the whole wrestling world was on fire. A decent episode of NXT, TNA Impact Wrestling was very entertaining in my opinion. Ring of Honor was freaking phenomenal. And then Lucha Underground was great as always. So it was a great day for wrestling if you haven't already checked it out. But yeah, that re- rate, that, the rating that that episode scored, the live episode, which I don't know off the, the number off the, top, off the top of my head, but I do remember reading the number, and it really wasn't that much different. It wasn't that much up from the Wednesday episode from the week prior, despite this one being live. So there's just no buzz around this company right now, or at least positively. In, in a positive way, there is no buzz surrounding TNA. And it sucks. You know, I don't want to be one of those people that says, oh, I wish they go out of business. Because, you know, less wrestling is not good for the for the entire industry. I think we need more wrestling for wrestling to thrive. And I don't want to see anyone out of a job. I think that's more over than anything else. I've talked about that, about that here on the show and in other platforms and stuff like that. I think it's just an asinine way of thinking. But, you know, I, I just can't envision a bright future for this company when so many people, so many of their top stars, so many notable names. I mean, I know Samuel Shaw and Gunnar last last week. You know, that's that's one thing when they left. But when you have guys like Magnus, James Storm of all people, who's been there since frickin' day one, Taryn Terrell, Awesome Kong, and Austin Aries leaving your company, that's not a good sign. All in the matter of like four or five days. And I laugh not because I want to see it happen. I laugh because and only in TNA would something like this happen when you have five of your biggest stars leave your company. And I'll talk about it in, you know, in a couple minutes as to whether I think it's an invasion angle or any bullshit that's going out there right now. I, I don't want to see it happen. I don't think it's happening, nor should it happen. And like I said, I'll get to that in a couple minutes. But in regards to last Wednesday's episode, of course, the biggest you know headline coming out of last Wednesday's show was the return of Jeff Jarrett. I know there were rumblings later on, or earlier on, excuse me, earlier on on Wednesday of Jeff Jarrett not being in the building, but of there being talk of him coming to TNA, doing some cross-promotion of TNA and Global Force Wrestling, which is cool. Like I said, if wrestling organizations can work together to build to a bigger cause, because let's face it, WWE is all the way up here. I know you can't see me, but uh, I mean, it's like through the ceiling, and everything else is so far behind. Ring of Honor is doing better, but it would definitely benefit each company if they work together in some respect, whether it was TNA and Ring of Honor, which you know hate each other, but it is what it is. TNA, uh, TNA and Global Force Wrestling, Lucha Underground, Ring of Honor, whatever it may be, the more wrestling companies that we have you know, working together in unison, it's better for the business. It's going to benefit both sides like we saw with WWF and ECW back in the late 90s. You know, stuff like that I like to see, but... You know, with so much politics going on nowadays and all this other shit with TNA going on at the moment, I don't foresee it happening, at least with TNA and any other company. But it does look like we might be getting some cross-promotion between Global Force Wrestling and TNA. Like I said, Jeff Jarrett has returned to the company. He left in late 2013. The you know the founder of <laughs> the founder of TNA left his own company. And as I said then, that was not a good sign when the when the, when the founder of your company leaves. That that's not a good sign for the future. But Anyway, that was when things kind of took a turn for the worse for TNA. Um, not not the first time, but that was kind of a, a huge indicator that things would not be flying too well for uh, for TNA in the future. But anyway, like I was saying before, Jeff Jarrett is back. 
in TNA. He made his return on last Wednesday episode after a year and a half absence. Now, I know a lot of people do not like Jeff Jarrett. I don't mind Jeff Jarrett as a wrestler. I enjoyed him, not like WCW Jeff Jarrett. and WWF Jeff Jarrett, he was in the right spot in the card as a mid-carder, so I go back and watch those pay-per-views. He wasn't too bad. I don't, you know, hate on the guy at all. Um, as a wrestler, I enjoyed his days in TNA in the final few years there. I understand the first few years he was giving himself the world championship. All this other garbage, I get that. I understand where the hate is coming from. But in regards to my personal feelings towards Jeff Jarrett, as a business promoter, I don't really care, to be honest with you. But as a wrestler, you know, the My World entrance music, him coming out with the guitar and stuff. In the last couple of years... I didn't mind the character because I thought it was entertaining. Then he left the company or he was taken off TV in late 2011, never to make his return before departing the company in late 2013. So it came as a huge shock when he made his return this past Wednesday in the live episode of TNA Impact Wrestling. He came out, cut a quote-unquote shoot promo about how, you know, Global Force Wrestling was taking over and blah, 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 blah. Um, basically announcing himself for the Slammiversary, the King of the Mountain match at Slammiversary tonight or this past Sunday. Um, you know, this is going up on Tuesday, like I mentioned. But, you know, basically announcing his participation in the match he helped create, coming back to TNA, you know, throwing a few shameless plugs out there for Global Force Wrestling. And that was about it. You know, Karen Jarrett was talking about how it was a hard decision to come back and how they thought TNA was in their rearview mirror. The way they were talking about TNA was kind of weird. In that they weren't burying TNA, but they were just kind of saying they were moving on to bigger and better things. We thought we were done with that. Like, it sounded like a shoot interview like you would hear on one of those RF videos kind of things. Not something you would hear on an episode of Impact. So that was kind of strange. But Karen was saying that we needed to have one more run here. One final match. It's happening on Sunday at Slammiversary. You know, I'm all on board for that. I, I believe from what I've been hearing that Jeff Jarrett will be at some upcoming tapings for impact he was not at the last couple of shows on thursday friday and saturday but he might be at the show tonight um i believe there might be recording another episode or another couple episodes tonight and tomorrow i don't know i, I do know at the very least though that he will be on a couple impact shows in the in the next couple of months but that's great if they want to have one more run do one more match at, at slammiversary that's awesome you know i can i condone that that's cool um, but the whole Global Force Wrestling Invasion thing, that's that's interesting. You know, I was marking out when I saw Jeff Jarrett uh, show up on the show because no one ever really saw it coming because at last word, those two companies hated each other. But um, despite that, though, I think it's cool and they're going to be working together. But how much good this does for the company, I really have no idea because as of right now, we really know nothing about the deal other than Jeff Jarrett is going into the WWE. Uh, the TNA Hall of Fame It was announced by Dixie Carter. It was probably made official at one of the most recent Impact shows. That's cool. It's not a huge spoiler, but Dixie Carter did put it out on her Twitter. So like I said, not a major spoiler, but Jeff Jarrett is being inducted into the TNA Hall of Fame. Long overdue. I know that Hall of Fame doesn't really mean much. The company has been has not been around that long. But um, you know, he shouldn't have been the first one inducted. I think the first one was Sting, right? And that's cool. You know, Angle and the Dudley Boys and Sting, they all deserved it. Angle too. And um, they all deserved an induction. But the thing was, was that you, know, you have the co-founder, you have the founder of the company, in, you know, at your disposal. He was still under contract with TNA at that time. They didn't induct him in 2012, nor did they in 2013. So why they didn't, and you know, at, at that point, I really have no idea. So better late than never. So that's cool. Glad to see that Jeff Jarrett's back. You know, doing this little thing. And as I mentioned, if they can work together with Global Force Wrestling, get something going, that's great. I don't want to see an invasion per se, but if they can work together, maybe do some sort of talent exchange. Awesome for Global Force, awesome for TNA, 
awesome for wrestling. So like I mentioned, GF Jarrett comes out, does the promo, announces himself for Slammiversary, the King of the Mountain match. I guess there's going to be a King of the Mountain champion, a King of the Mountain championship. Couldn't care less, to be honest with you. I thought the Legends Championship was total trash. And the fact they have another title coming around, you know, maybe if it's a thing they do it on a yearly basis, that's fine. But if they, if, if it becomes a regular championship, a staple of the roster, and they have it defended every week and all this other garbage, I don't care. You know, we need less championships. We don't need more. I think the amount of titles they have right now, the X Division, which doesn't mean jack shit right now, but whatever. The X Division, the tag team, and the women's and then the world title. That's great. Keep it at that. You don't need any more championships other than those, in my personal opinion. But anyway, though, we have that. And then, yeah, so Jeff Jarrett is back in TNA. I'll get back to the Global Force wrestling invasion shit, you know, in a couple minutes. But in regards to other things from that episode, we had the TNA return of Vader, who I had no idea was even in the company. I guess he showed up for a cup of coffee in late 02 or 03 or whatever it was for a brief few matches in TNA, which I had no idea about. Um, So it was, I guess, kind of cool to see Vader. He had a one-off match with Bram, which ended in disqualification with Vader winning after Bram got himself DQ'd. And out comes Matt Morgan. Now, Matt Morgan has not been seen in TNA for the last two years. He's come and gone, come and gone. His His contract has expired so many times. And he keeps on returning, so, you know, at this point, I, I don't... You know, it was cool to see Matt Morgan. I think he's a guy that TNA never really utilized to his full potential. Same thing with WWE when he was there. But, you know, if he's back to do... If he's back for one match, that's fine. If he's back to do the one match with Bram at SummerSlam... I keep on saying SummerSlam at fucking Slammiversary, that's totally fine. But if he's back for the long run and they're not going to use him right, then why bother? You know, the guy retired from wrestling... He has, a, he has other endeavors right now. I know he's focusing on other things outside of wrestling, which is great for Matt Morgan, but I don't see how it really benefits him or the company if they're not going to put him at the level he deserves to be at in the world championship picture. You know, I talked about this in a Push to Punish article late last year, to which Morgan replied, which was really cool, and he talked about how, you know, for a guy of his size, he should have been a bigger attraction in that he should have been used less frequently. And um, that was absolutely the case, and TNA underutilized the guy, and he was misused for the many years that he was there. But going back to what I was saying before, though, you know, if, if, for the years that he was there, he was there for at least six or seven years, and he competed for the TNA World Title a couple of times. Though he was in the brink of greatness, and I'm not saying he's the next face of TNA or anything like that. And I think he was a really good all-around talent. He was a good wrestler. His mech skills have improved immensely in the last couple of years. He cut a promo for the TNA YouTube channel after the show went off the air a couple days ago. And I thought it was a good promo. His cadence has kind of slowed down a little bit. That was kind of the biggest issue with his promos was that he was way too fast talking. You couldn't really understand what he was saying and all these other things. So I think he has improved. He could be a, a top-tier player for the company if they were to use him right. But again, I honestly have no idea whether he's back for good or a one-off or what the fuck is going on with Matt Morgan. But that was a nice surprise. Like, as I mentioned, he's facing Bram tonight at Slammiversary. And you already know better than I do as to who won that match. Probably Matt Morgan. I have no idea. Nor do I really care. But it's cool to see Matt Morgan back, um, if only for a one-off appearance tonight at Slammiversary. Also back in the company is Hernandez, a former LAX partner. Um, Homicide is there as well. Hernandez coming in to join the Beatdown clan. 
How much longer they'll be around for, I have no idea. They're having a match this Wednesday at Bell to Bell on Impact Wrestling between the Rising and the Beatdown Clan to determine which stable stays and which stable goes. So Beatdown Clan could be no more as soon as this Wednesday. But Hernandez coming back was a bigger shocker than the other two, than Vader and Morgan combined probably. If only because, you know, Hernandez has got a spot right now in Lucha Underground. He's been a regular on that show. In fact, he appeared on Wednesday's episode of Lucha Underground. He attacked Drago before his main event match with Mil Morites. And then no more than an hour or two later was he appearing on Impact. Now, I know Lucha Underground was taped weeks ago. So it's not a matter. It's not like a Rick Rude kind of thing from 20 years ago. Where he's done one show one night live and then the next show live, you know, later on that night. This Lucha Underground was taped a while ago. But it was still pretty surprising to see. And I don't know if he's done with Lucha Underground. I don't even know if they've taped the season finale yet. I know Ultima Lucha, or Ultimo Lucha, is on August 5th, and a little over a month, and about a month from now. Um, so I don't know if that was already taped or what the deal is. But um, still, I thought that was pretty interesting to see him back. And why, I have no idea. I mean, it's cool to see, you know, if they can reunite LAX. But if they're not going to keep around, you know, Beatdown Clan, then what's the point? You know, so I, I have no idea what they're going, what's going on with him right now, or why he would opt to return when they really did next to nothing with him in TNA before he left. He was in a random ass tag team with Chavo Guerrero for a while. I thought he's fine in Lucha Underground. Just back in TNA was kind of surprising. It's cool to see. I like a lot of these guys, but if TNA isn't going to use them right or use them any differently than they did um, the first time they were there, then why bother? You know what I mean? So we'll have to wait and see to see where that goes. But like I said, though, an LAX reunion. I would love to see that over in um, in Lucha Underground more so than in TNA, but we'll see. We'll have to wait and see to see where that goes. Also on that episode, Tigre Uno winning the X Division Championship, his first title win of any kind, much less his first victory of any kind. The guy rarely wins any matches in uh, TNA, so good for him. You know, I like Tigre Uno. I said this at the time he was brought in, but to me, I mean, there's never going to be a next Rey Mysterio. But to me, he seemed very Rey Mysterio esque. Not only because he was wearing a mask, but his small stature and the way he, would, he the way he would move around in the ring, and like I said, not the next Rey Mysterio, but he could have been TNA's version of Rey Mysterio, and instead they opted to use him as an enhancement talent. So to put the championship on him after having him lose for the last 15 months was kind of a weird decision, but it's great to see him finally getting his due in TNA after being wasted for the better part of a year. Um, the guy is really good, but. In the end, does it really matter? Not really. You know, I would be a hypocrite to say that if it did, um, to, to say that the his X Division Championship win did mean something. And I've been saying this for the, at least the last two or three years. That X Division Championship doesn't mean jack shit. That title is absolutely worthless. And it's because, not because of the people that are holding it, but TNA changed that thing around like a fucking hot potato. You know, I rant and rant on the IC title changing hands all the time. The X Division title has gotten to the point where it's changing hands almost every single fucking week. You know, we had Tigre Uno won it. Before that, it was vacated. But before that, Rockstar Spud won it. And him, before him, Kenny King, Rockstar Spud won it. He dropped it to Kenny King for two weeks, won it back. Why? Why? Why even bother, you know? Before him, it was Loki who had it. And then Austin Aries and Loki again. You see the pattern here? And that was like eight people or eight different reigns. And it's only been six months. You know, that belt means jack shit. And the division means jack shit too. I know TNA does that whole rah-rah speech every summer about making the division mean something again. But honest to God, honest, you know, truthfully mentioned, you know, truthfully 
Um, you know, honestly speaking here, that title does not mean anything. So I'm not going to believe that division mean the division is back to prominence with Tigre Uno as champion unless they really give me an indicator, a true sign that championship, that division is going to be brought back to what it once was. Honestly, I don't have any faith that it will be that division back in 02, 03, 04, 05 was so freaking red hot. There was no possible way it's going to get back to that point. But even in the years that followed in 06, 07, 08, even in 2009, the division still meant something. It wasn't until they gave that belt to fucking Brian Kendrick um, when he was doing the whole yoga thing, which was garbage, and they gave it to freaking Abyss and all this other shit. You know why? It was 2011 was like the year the X Division died, in my opinion. It really has not been the same since. And like I mentioned, they try every summer to try to make it mean something again, but they just don't succeed. <laughs> they try to make it mean something for like five minutes. And then it's back to meaning absolute jack shit. You know, I like Tigre Uno. Good for him for winning the title. But in the end, does it really mean something? Maybe to him, which is awesome. But for the division, it doesn't mean anything. It's sad to say the company is in a terrible shape as it is. But um, much less the X Division Championship. Or the X Division, the X Division period, which was once the best part about this company. The thing that made them different. That made them the alternative to WWE. Made them unique is now a shell of its former self. So like I said, sad to see, but good for Tigre Uno, if anything else, if nothing else. So now on to the biggest news stories of the week. As of Sunday, I mean, something might have changed by Tuesday. We might have had another 10 people released by the time this episode goes up on Tuesday. I'm recording this on Sunday afternoon, and right before I hit the record button, I got another notification from someone on Twitter I read somewhere, and this is from a reliable source, that Taryn Terrell, the current women's champion, by the way, mind you, and Awesome Kong are on their way out as well. That goes up to five people, to my knowledge anyway, that might be leaving TNA uh, ASAP almost immediately. So um, here's a list of guys that are rumored, you know, their, their contracts are rumored to be up and will be leaving TNA after Slammiversary tonight. We've got Austin Aries. This has been, you know, rumored for a while. I'll break down each one. I'll just list them off right now. Austin Aries. James Storm, Magnus, Taryn Terrell, and Awesome Kong. Now, there's something going on with Angle right now. I don't think he's leaving. I think he has a health issue. I, like I said, I didn't read the spoilers. I don't want to read the spoilers. We'll find out on Wednesday whether he wins or loses. I have a pretty good idea what the result of that match is going to be with EC3. But anyway, I guess he has some sort of issue, which is <laughs> which is, does not bide well for TNA. Like I said, I laugh. I, I laugh not because I want to see them go down, just because... There's, what are the fucking odds of all this shit going down at once? You know, unless it's some elaborate work, kudos to them. But if it's not, if this is legitimate, then they're in some deep, deep shit. You know, it really sucks. But yeah, Angle, there's some, he has some tumor or something in his neck, which, wow, that blows. And that's really unfortunate if that's true. I guess we'll find out in the next couple of days. And I won't talk about that right now. But let's break down the five people who are going to be rumored to be leaving. If there's maybe more, like I said, maybe we find out. As you know, this is being recorded on Tuesday. By this is being recorded on Sunday, excuse me. By Tuesday, we might find out more people um, that might be leaving the company after this Sunday, after tonight. But anyway, going back to the people I mentioned before, Austin Aries. I talked about it on last week's episode. His contract has been rumored to be up for a while now, and it's supposed to be expiring this weekend. And I guess I have no idea what the results of the upcoming shows were, as I mentioned, but. I guess he already wrapped up with a promotion. He's wrestling tonight, I think. Um, Either it's Bobby Roode or Austin Aries wrestling tonight at Slammiversary. I think that pay-per-view's live, so if he's not already done, he will be done tonight. But Austin Aries, I talked about on last week's episode, is on his way out of TNA. 
Not surprising, you know. Um, do I want to see him leave? Absolutely not. The guy's amazing, but he's done a lot of what there is to do in TNA. He's a big money player. It's a big loss to TNA. Um, would I like to see him in WWE? Absolutely. I would love to see a lot of these people, if not all of them, in WWE. I don't think they're going to want them. Um, but Austin Aries, though, as they mentioned in a clip for the YouTube channel, you know, I think the perception of what a small guy can do, uh, uh, you know, he's not the tallest guy in the world, of course, but he's so goddamn good. He's got the full package. He's got the it factor. He's got the mic skills. He's awesome in the ring. And I know back in 2011, I believe anyway, from what I've read, this is likely true from what I've heard. You know, uh, I've heard a lot of people talk about it. He tried out for the 2011 season of Tough Enough, you know, four years ago and did not make the cut. Whereas a guy like Matt Cross did, who was also an indie sensation. And he was cut pretty quickly from the show, too. So even if Austin Aries made the cut, he probably would not have lasted long because they probably wanted to go with someone that did not have much experience or someone that was bigger or whatever, whatever. Maybe he would have won. I have no idea. And I know Andy Levine won, and that was a fucking disaster. But anyway, um, you know, I think since then, though, maybe they overlooked him because of his size. But in the last four years, he's come so far. I mean, I mean, WWE, rather, has come so far. Austin Aries, too, has you know, kind of proved his naysayer is wrong in TNA with all the success he's had over there. But in um, in WWE, the perception of what uh, an indie guy, a glorified Ring of Honor star can do, has changed so drastically. You look at someone like a CM Punk, who that same year won the WWE Championship and made the product as hot as it ever was in a long, long time. You look at a guy like Daniel Bryan, who main evented WrestleMania 30 and walked out with the undisputed WWE World Heavyweight Championship. You look at a guy like Seth Rollins, who the very next year walked out of WrestleMania 31, the main event, as the WWE World Heavyweight Champion. The same thing goes for guys like Kevin Owens and Cesaro and Dean Ambrose and all these other indie referee guys, however you want to call them. Look at all they've succeeded and how they've gotten over in WWE. Just because you're a glorified indie star doesn't mean you can't make it in WWE. That's kind of the perception of that kind of changed with CM Punk all those years ago. And with this pipe bomb and whatever else, I think it really did have a direct impact on the future and the quote-unquote change that was brought to WWE for a short time anyway, but it had lasting impact. It had a long-term impact on the industry in WWE anyway that a, a Ring of Honor guy or a smaller guy that doesn't fit the typical mold of a WWE superstar can be successful in WWE. So that being said, do I think an Austin Aries could flourish in WWE? Absolutely, if not NXT. You know, I think it's well worth a shot. I don't know if they would give a look at him. But the thing is, is that the report, and this is all speculation, nothing is set in stone as we know when it comes to the internet, that WWE had no interest in anyone in TNA, the current roster as of a couple months ago. I know they took in Samoa Joe, but that's because Triple H has had um, an interest in Samoa Joe for a while now. Everybody else, maybe with the, you know, even Kurt Angle as a guy they didn't want back. They did kind of want him back, but not at the the schedule they were he was offering them. And they said, no, we're not doing that for whatever reason, which I think is bullshit. But anyway, um, they didn't take back Kurt Angle. Maybe a Jeff Hardy when he's done in TNA. I could see him coming back to WWE. That's It's a matter of when and not if, I think, with Jeff Hardy. Um, but anyway, with the other guys, though, I think, and you know, they, they don't want an Austin Aries or they don't want a Bobby Roode. And they already have enough talent as it is in NXT. They might want to continue to load up on talent. But they might not want anyone from TNA because they already have so many stars as it is in NXT and in WWE. They're not they're not utilizing all the all their stars and all their you know the, the rookies with potential. But they already have a lot of you know a lot of great talent, a lot of uh, big names right now in NXT and in WWE. 
they're not going to pick up everybody who leaves TNA. That's kind of a, a guarantee. But still, I think Austin Aries is a guy that's worth a look. James Storm has been with TNA since day one, so when he leaves the company, much like Chef Chiara, it's really seen as, wow, this you know shit's going down. This is getting real. Um, James Storm, I've always been a huge fan of. I think the guy is great. He's got the full package. He's got the mic skills. He's got the in-ring skills. Love this time with Bobby Roode. But even as a single star in the last couple of years, since he broke away from Beer Money and Fortune and America's Most Wanted, all that kind of tag team stuff, you know, sans the stuff with, with Gunner from 2013, He's really shown a lot of potential as a breakout star, as a single star, as both a babyface and a heel. I was always really disappointed. I'm now even more so disappointed. He was never given another run with that World Heavyweight Championship. James Storm is such a great talent that they've completely wasted and neglected in the last couple of years. I mean, back, you know, right after he broke out as that babyface, did the whole feud with Bobby Roode, which was great. A lot of people thought, myself included, thought he was winning the Bound for Glory series that year, and he didn't. But they still had a star on their hands. They wasted him. They put him in the tag team division. It was a complete clusterfuck. And the Revolution shit, which was not that great, and kind of a waste of um, you know, his talents because they put him with a bunch of bums and Abyss and Sonata. It's not as good, but... You know, Manic and Koya, I don't care, you know? So the revolution was a kind of a bomb. But he worked well in the role, though. You know, the material was kind of very, very Bray Wyatt-esque, very Wyatt family-esque. But he made the most of what he was given, made it very, very good, was one of the top players in TNA, and that was about it. He was putting stupid fuse with freaking Magnus, which I thought had potential, but they wasted that with a dumb murder storyline they had um what else the crap with gunner and samuel shaw and you know i don't care it was so stupid but uh yeah james storm is another guy who i feel like they very much underutilized in his final years with the company and could he be wwe bound i highly doubt it i think at the age that he's at and i know you know the argument oh age doesn't matter with Samoa Joe being in his mid-30s, but, you know, Samoa Joe is a guy, if had Triple H not had interest in him, he probably would not be in WWE, I'll say that right now, he should have been, but if Triple H did not, you know, have some, you know, see the star for he is, that the, see the star that Samoa Joe is, he probably would not be in WWE, because I know Vince and Kevin Dunn especially are not big fans of him, which is bullshit, but it is what it is, um, James Storm is a guy who does not have that same worldwide appeal that a Samoa Joe or a Finn Balor or even an AJ Styles who I know has had um, who WWE has shown some interest in bringing in at one point James Storm doesn't have that same appeal I'm not saying he can't make it to WWE I think he could do very well for himself in the company it's not like you know he can have the same character like Kevin Owens he's the same guy uh, to an extent that he was in Ring of Honor just not you know throwing the bird around and stuff not flipping the bird everybody just kind of a, not a watered down, but just kind of a um, a revamped version of his former self, and he's still awesome. Triple H is letting him be himself. With a James Storm kind of character as a babyface, he's not going to be drinking the beer and doing the super kicks. It's very reminiscent of Shawn Michaels and Stone Cold. And as a heel, he was very much a, a second-rate Bray Wyatt. Although he did the material well, like I mentioned, they would not bring him in with that character because they know they already have someone like that in a Bray Wyatt. So what do you do with him? I have no idea. Maybe you could repackage him, make a star out of him, the star that I think that James Storm is. But again, I don't know if it's worth the effort at the age that he's at and all the other potential stars they could pick up from TNA or around the indies or whatever. They probably won't, which is unfortunate. Maybe with Bobby Roode. I don't know what the deal is with Bobby Roode right now. 
But um, you know, Bobby Roode and James Storm would be a, would be a great way to bring them into WWE again. As beer money, would they be beer money? No. Um, they would probably be something different. They'd probably be um, you know, water cash or something like that. I don't know. Um, they they would not have the same gimmick they did in TNA. But still, I think. From an in-ring standpoint, they're such a great team that I could see them doing well for themselves in WWE. I mean, maybe not. I know the Young Bucks didn't sign with them because they feel like they probably would not have been utilized to their full potential. And that's a you know a very logical fear to have because they've brought in teams before like the Wolves and they didn't really pick up them, the American Wolves or whatever. Um, so I don't know. They probably would have been on main event every week and stuff, so it's probably better they didn't sign with WWE. Um, but anyway, though, I feel like with uh, a beer money, you know, I, it's worth a shot. It's better than not picking them up at all. I think Bobby Roode is a guy that could make it in WWE. He has the look. He has the full package that WWE looks for in its stars. And speaking of that, Magnus is another guy I feel like screams WWE. He's a guy that screams to me, main event guy in WWE. That's, it might be some high praise there, but I feel like he has the look and everything that WWE wants, an up-and-coming guy. And he's so young, too. I think he's not even... If he's 30, he's at least 30 or 31. If he's not, he's like 29. He's really young. He's a former world champion of TNA. Um, As a babyface, I thought he did some of the best work of his career. They ruined him as a heel. But, you know, before that, though, as a babyface, he was really ripping it up. He's been doing well for himself in the last couple of months. With the, uh, with the exception of the feud with James Storm, which was really stupid. and then um, But yeah, I think Magnus is really good. I think he's a guy that WWE should absolutely take a look at. From what I understand, Magnus will be doing more work with Jeff Jarrett in Global Force Wrestling. And whether that means an invasion, I have no idea. I'll get to that in a couple minutes. But um, if he's not going to Global Force or he's going to be hanging around the indies for a while, he is a guy I would love to see in WWE. Do I bank on it? Absolutely not. I don't think it's going to happen. But if I was Vince, I would definitely take a look at that guy. Bring him in for a tryout, whatever. He's so good. There's no way they can't consider bringing him in at some point. Now, for the women, like I mentioned right before I hit the record button, I read another report that said that Taryn Terrell, formerly known as Tiffany in WWE, and Awesome Kong, formerly known as Karma in WWE, are also on their way out of TNA, which is surprising considering both of them will be involved in a Knockouts Championship match next week on TV. Now, that was already recorded, I believe, for next Wednesday, and I have no idea. Maybe Brooke wins. I don't know. I don't really care. But, um, you know, Taryn Terrell, I feel like, has been doing, with the, with the uh, what what is it, the Dollhouse stuff, I'm not a huge fan of that, but she's been really been the star, not the single star, but has really come into her own as a single star in TNA in the last couple of years. WWE, she was just a model, she was a GM, she was managing Kelly Kelly, all this other crap, um, and she probably wasn't as good in the ring as she is now, but in working with ladies like Awesome Kong and Gail Kim and all the other Madison Rain, all the other talented women that TNA has in their talent in their women's division, their knockouts division, she's really improved. Like I went to the TNA show last August, and I think it was her and Gail Kim uh, for the Knockouts Championship, and it was one of the best three matches, if not the best match of the night. I thought it was awesome. Um, if WWE would take another look at bringing her back, you know, maybe. I think, you know, she's been there before, and the only real reason she was taken out was because, I don't think it was an attitude issue, it was probably because of the domestic dispute thing, 
with uh, with Drew McIntyre from the summer of 2010, which ultimately cost him a push in WWE. But other than that, though, they probably would have kept her around. And now that she's improved in the ring, I see no reason why they can't add her to their women's division in uh, WWE or NXT. You know, they could bring her back as Tiffany if they wanted to. Same thing with Awesome Kong. Bring her right back in as Karma. You know, why they never took a second look at her after they got rid of her in 2012, I'll have no idea. Now I was shocked. I was really pissed when they got rid of her in the summer of 2012. But from my understanding, it was a mutual thing. I guess WWE thought she either had an attitude issue, which is garbage. I've never met her, but it seems like she's like one of the nicest women in the world. And that and the fact that she wasn't ready to come back, she wasn't losing the weight that she was supposed to, that was after she had her miscarriage. So it was not a good time. I understand why it happened. I wasn't happy with it at the time. But why they never gave her a call back, you know, a year later or, uh, you know, last summer. I was hoping she was going to be brought in as the heavy for, uh, for Stephanie McMahon. And it never came to fruition. You know, when she came back to TNA earlier this year, I was shocked out of my mind. I never saw that coming. I was marking the fuck out when she, whenever, when she showed up in the middle of the ring or the sixth side of the ring or whatever. Um, the first episode of TNA earlier this year, it was awesome. It was the best moment of the entire night. And, um, you know, she's come back for a couple months and she's only been back for five or six months. She's, sure, she's already on her way out. So, you know, like I said, maybe they're setting up some sort of invasion, which I'll get to right now, but... If not, they're really just missing the boat on a lot of these guys. It's not like they're losing Zima Ion and um, Crazy Steve and Manic. They're losing top-tier names here, people. They're losing former world champions. They're, for, they're losing former three former TNA World Heavyweight Champions and two former, or current, rather, in, in Terrell's case, two former Knockouts Champions, the two very best that they have. You know, they have Rebel around, they got Crazy Steve, but who gives a fuck if you're losing all these other top-tier names? You know, it makes no sense. But going back to what I was saying before, though, the Global Force Wrestling Invasion. Now, this has been rumored since Wednesday, and a lot of people are thinking, oh, because they're losing all these big names, it might be setting up them going to Global Force, and then coming back and invading TNA. I do not want to see that. You know, I've talked about this in hashtag AskGSM, and WWE, TNA, WCW, they're all different beasts, so maybe TNA would do an invasion differently, but honestly, I'm done with the old factions in TNA, I'm so freaking done, we had Main Event Mafia, we had Mortal, we had fucking Aces and Eights, we have Beatdown Clan, and they're all garbage, the only faction I ever really liked was, you know, Main Event Mafia was fine, but, and I liked Fortune, and they, they ultimately turned babyface, but, you got so many heel factions in this company. Give it a goddamn break. The, the only time where I thought the TNA was fucking flourishing was when they didn't have an, a, a heel faction in the early part of 2012, right before the Aces and Eights came in. And they had Austin Aries on top. They had Jeff Hardy, Bobby Roode, James Storm. The wrestling era in TNA, the peak that I thought, since I started watching in 08, the best they ever did was in 2012. They were live every week on Spike. They were filming live on Thursdays. It was great. It was a great time to be a TNA fan, to the point where the product was consistently more entertaining week to week than WWE for the first part of that summer. And it blows my mind how they dropped the ball on that. And, and you know, coincidentally enough, it really is no coincidence that after they brought in the Aces and Eights and the Beatdown Clan and all these other Dixie Carters... You know, authority figure storyline. No one cares. You know, no one cares about these SEAL factions in TNA. I do not, at under any circumstance, want to see another invasion in TNA of any sort, whether it be with the Global Force Wrestling guys or whatever. And that's even worse. You know, it'd be one thing if we had Jeff Jarrett come in 
and invade the company with people we've never seen in in, in TNA before, like a Chris Masters or a, I guess Scott Steiner's been there before, but other people that that we've never seen in TNA before. Um, John Morrison, I don't know. I don't think he's going to Global Force. I think he's sticking with Lucha Underground for right now, or at least until they you know uh, renew it for a second season. Shelton Benjamin's another guy, you know. I feel like those, like those kind of people, I would love to see in TNA because we've never seen them in that company before. If I saw them pop up on an episode of Impact, I would mark out. That'd be great. But to see people like an Aries or a James Storm or a Magnus leave only to come back and invade, who cares? You know, it's the same roster. Why not do the same storyline without working with another promotion? No, it doesn't matter. No one's gonna care. It's not gonna work. You know, I'm not saying it can't work, but. No, it's, it's it's we've seen it a million times. I mean, invasions and authority figures, heel authority figures, that is, have been done to death in wrestling for the last fifteen years. Give it a break. TNA more so than WWE. The authority sucks, but in TNA more so with the heel faction thing, I don't care. You know, I'm done with heel factions in TNA. I do not need to see an invasion. And if that's not the direction they're going in. God bless. Because I think what they could do with these other guys, you know, hopefully they're getting out. <laughs> they they could see the writing on the wall. They could see that it's a sinking ship, and they're on their way out of the company. You know, um, but the invasion thing, I just I thought was comical. I do not want to see an invasion with the Global Force wrestling guys. It's cool, as I mentioned at the start of the show, they might be working with Global Force and Jeff Jarrett. Better for TNA, better for Global Force, better for wrestling if we can have more promotions working with each other like that and instead of being rivals, you know? Um, to kind of... I mean, with WWE and WCW, it was a different thing because they, they were at the same level. WWE dominated all. So, I mean, WCW and WWE were at the same level for a while. WWE is so much higher than everyone else. These other promotions got to work together to kind of get back... To not They're never going to reach WWE, but... If they can at least work together and get higher up that ladder, up the you know the food chain, so to speak, in wrestling, that's great. But I'm all for Global Force and TNA working together. But if it means we're going to get an invasion with the same people that we already have in TNA, I don't care. You know, it's so stupid. It's been done to death. It's a cliche storyline. It's a cliche angle. I don't care. You know, so hopefully that's not the direction they're going. That's only rumor. I'm not you know calling anyone out. It's not. It's not maybe it already happened at the tapings. I doubt it. Um, I, I don't think so anyway. But you know, if that's it's only rumor. It's only speculation among the fans. But if that is indeed the direction they're going in, I'm done. You know, I'm losing faith in this company. I love TNA. I don't want to see them die. But they're continuing to lose so many big names in guys like I mentioned before: Aries, Storm, and Magnus, and Terrell, and Kong, and. All these other people leaving, it's not a good sign. If they're leaving on their own after their contract expired, and it's comical too, because they signed, you know, John Gaborik, I think his name is, that big goof over for TNA. He's like, oh, we signed a multi year deal with fucking James Storm, and then he's gone the following year, you know? A multi year deal in TNA, I guess, equates to a couple of months. I don't know exactly what they perceive to be as a multi year deal, but what I think a multi year deal is is that you sign for more than one year. A lot of these talents who sign multi-year deals are only around for like less than a year before they leave the company. So I don't know what they're talking about. But anyway, you know, typical teenage. We'll have to wait and see. This is only Sunday, so maybe by Tuesday, by the time this, by the show, by the time the show goes up, maybe we've got other people leaving the company. Maybe the whole company's in, you know, in, in the shit by Tuesday. You know, I've just come to expect anything from TNA. It's only been like 24 hours, and we've already been confirmed that five big names are that are leaving the company. Maybe we're gonna get more than that. In the next 48 hours, too. We'll have to wait and see. But, you know, it sucks to, to see TNA in this state. I'm a TNA fan. But, uh, 
you know, God bless them and Godspeed to TNA. Hopefully they can get in a better state um, going forward and they can kind of work something out. I don't, like I said, an invasion is not going to help anybody if it's with the same people. It's just, that's a step backwards. That's even, that's probably even worse than having these guys leave on their own, you know? Um, TNA is in, is in a bad, bad shape, you know? Like I said, good luck to them, but it's not looking good. So we get to Bell to Bell on Wednesday. Before we go off the air here, we got about 10, 15 minutes left. Um, I just want to talk about this real quickly. And now this is a very TNA-oriented episode, but there's been a lot of TNA in the, in the, in the news this week, and I rarely ever talk about TNA here on the show, so I thought I would dedicate a whole episode to TNA this week, considering I have not watched Slammiversary yet, or Monday Night Raw, or whatever. Um, I've already talked about Tough Enough, you know, because I'm, I will not be available on Monday or Tuesday to record this. So talking about it Sunday and talking about TNA is a better way to utilize the time. But anyway, Bell to Bell on Wednesday, you know, all this news has kind of messed up my prediction for the show with two-thirds of the Knockouts title match leaving the company. I'm not exactly sure who to pick here, um, but so far we have, I believe, four matches confirmed for next Wednesday. We've got, for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship, the defending champion, Kurt Angle, taking on the undefeated Ethan Carter III. EC3 has to win. If they make him lose, what a waste. Um, and I think, like I said before, Angle has some sort of health issue. So I, I doubt they're going to keep the belt on him. So EC3 all the way wins the championship here. Uh, for the vacant TNA World Tag Team titles, and again, I talked about it last week, but they're doing the one-on-one match between like Davey Richards and Austin Aries or whatever it is on Sunday instead of doing it at you know, instead of doing the tag team title match at the pay-per-view, I don't give a fuck, you know, no one cares, it's so stupid, but anyway, um, so yeah, we're having that match on, on Wednesday for the knockout, for, for the knockout, for the, I'll get to that match in a minute, for the vacant TNA World Tag Team titles, the Dirty Heels, Austin Aries and Bobby Roode taking on the Wolves, Davey Richards and Eddie Edwards, obviously going with the Wolves, Austin Aries is... All but confirmed to be leaving TNA, so the Wolves win here. Their fourth set of tag team titles, and they've only been here a year. Wow. Um, but yeah, the Wolves win the tag team titles. Up next for the Knockouts Championship, Taryn Terrell defending against Brooke and Awesome Kong in a triple threat. Um, they've already broken the record. Taryn Terrell has already broken Gail Kim's record as the longest reigning Knockouts Champion in TNA history, so good for her. Um, so basically, it's anyone's game here. It's anyone's guess as to who comes out of this thing with the championship. And it really doesn't matter. Like I said... Um, and maybe they already knew before the tapings that both Kong and Terrell were leaving. They put the belt on Brooke. I really have no idea. And maybe I'll just go with Brooke here for that case alone that it looks like we might be getting, you know, maybe maybe Kong wins the belts. I don't know. But um, just because it looks like Terrell and Kong are leaving and maybe they already gave their notice before the uh, tapings, I'll go with Brooke. I'll go with Brooke, uh, Brooke winning this match as the new knockouts champion. Whatever. Uh, we'll just go all out there. And the, for the final match, it looks like we're getting the Rising versus the Beatdown Clan in a three-on-three match. Originally, it was supposed to be four-on-three with the Beatdown Clan com, uh, com, or consisting of MVP, Kenny King, Her, uh, Loki, and Hernandez. But Loki has since left the company as of last week. He's another guy who left the company, too. And it's not looking good for TNA, like I mentioned. So now it's three-on-three, and the loser of this matchup will get both stables, or we'll get one stable disbanded, but as you can probably tell, what I want to see happen in this match is that we get a no contest or something, or a double DQ, and then both teams are losers, and we get both teams are disbanded, you know? The Rising suck, you know, I hate to say it, I gave them a chance at first, but they just suck. Mike is not good, I never gave two shits about Camacho and WWE, 
the other guy's a fucking asshole. He was a jerk to Kevin Owens on Twitter or something. He's he has shown me nothing. You know, he's got a good look, but there's a reason why WWE got rid of him. And they're not always right. Just look at a guy like Derek Bateman. But in his case, there's probably an attitude issue or some some stupid shit he said on Twitter. So there's probably some correlation there. But that guy's a goof. And then I love Drew McIntyre. I love Drew Galloway, but. He's so much better on his own. The whole gimmick of the, like the shield thing and the anti-authority and we're rising up for wrestling. What does that even mean? What does even stand up mean? You know, just just do away with the rising. Do away with the beatdown clan too. They're trying to they're trying to you know go off of the the KKK by making the beatdown clan the beatdown crew. They don't even know what the, the hell they are. And I love MVP. It's the same thing though. I like Kenny King. I like MVP. They're a good make them a tag team, but. Hernandez does not need to be back. He's doing just fine for himself in Lucha Underground. And then Loki's gone, so God bless him for leaving when they when, when he sees the writing on the wall. But yeah, I would love to see both teams disband. And like I mentioned before, I'm so done with the old factions in TNA. I don't really care about the beatdown clan. I don't care about the rising. This feud has sucked. Hopefully we can get both teams losing. But if I had to flip a coin and they had to pick a winner, we're probably getting um, the rising going over here because Loki is is gone. So they're probably going to disband that group. Um, maybe they win. I don't know. I would love to see just both stables disband, but in a perfect world. But I'll go with the rising winning here. And those are my predictions for uh, Wednesday's show for Bell to Bell. Um, I don't know. You know, they already taped it. I have not read the results, and I know all these departures and stuff maybe have played played a, a difference, played a factor in the results of these matches. I have no idea, and we'll have to wait and see. But um, yeah. In the meantime, though, I am looking forward to the show. You know, despite all the all these um, negative reports coming out about TNA and all the people leaving and everything else, it's not looking good for TNA right now. God bless them, like I said before. But this show, the Bell to Bell show. Why these matches are not happening at Slammiversary, I guess because they want ratings, but that's not the way it works. Don't even hold a pay-per-view in that case, because no one's going to buy it. No one cares about your company right now, so just stop embarrassing yourselves. Um, but this show, though, it looks like it could be good. I'm looking forward to Angle and EC3, and the tag team title match could be great, although the winners are just kind of, uh, you know, it's already been kind of, uh, it's a foregone conclusion as to who wins. The knockout settle match could be good, and the rising and beatdown clan, I don't care about at all. But the show on the whole, though, could be enjoyable, and I'm looking forward to it on Wednesday night. So finally, before we close off the show here in the final few minutes that we have left, uh, we are pretty much at the halfway mark. Today marks the halfway point, the midway mark, of 2015 in wrestling. And I think, for WWE anyway, it's been a great year. For wrestling mostly, other than TNA, I think it's been a great year. You know, TNA was doing well with the Destination America deal and everything else going on. But um, it's, it's the last couple of months, the last month especially, has not been good for TNA. So I can't really call it a great year on the whole for them. And I was at the, the debut show on Destination America back on the 7th of January in, in the Manhattan Center in New York City. And that was a great show. But everything else since then has not been... The products have been good, but everything else since then has not been uh, great from a backstage perspective, from a backstage stamp, standpoint for TNA. But for WWE, though, I think it's been a great year. I think all around, I mean, it's only been six months. We still have the rest of the year to go. It's probably been the best all-around year in quite some time, in my personal opinion. I mean, you look at the year from the start of the year, from January to now. WrestleMania was extraordinary. What a great show. One of the best WrestleManias of all time, in my opinion. You have other great pay-per-views, Extreme Rules, Payback, and Money in the Bank, Elimination Chamber. Not a bad pay-per-view among them. Even Fastlane and Royal Rumble... I know we hated them at that time. I enjoyed Fastlane, but Royal Rumble, we hated the ending. 
But in retrospect, it worked out. You know, they had Seth Rollins cash in. Roman Reigns is still doing well. Dean Ambrose is the top of the roster. NXT is great right now. The Divas division sucks, but <laughs> not everything can be perfect. Um, the tag team division is doing okay. we got a couple injuries. Daniel Bryan's out with an injury. So, again, not everything can be perfect. But from a creative standpoint, from a, from the entire product, in my opinion, has been, on the whole, consistently entertaining since WrestleMania. I think with Seth Rollins as champion and all the other young, bright stars atop the roster right now and all the other cool champions we have right now, John Cena, who would have ever thought he'd be holding the United States Championship, primetime players and Ryback finally getting championship runs, Nikki Bella's been okay. It's not her fault, it's the booking's fault. Um, the creators' fault for just completely neglecting the ta- the, the the divas division rather, um, but still I think WWE has been it's been a great year for WWE. We have got a lot of cool returns. Bubba Ray Dudley, one of the most underrated moments of the year in my opinion. What a great moment! You know it's it's been really great. But I think um, you know as of right now June 30th, and it's also been one year since I went to that RAW on June 30th in Hartford, the best wrestling show I've ever been to up to this point. Maybe that will change. With SummerSlam in just 55 more days from this from this Tuesday, I'm recording this on Sunday. Um, but as of you know, you know, as of right now, the first half of 2015 has been pretty great. And I said at the start of this year, both personally and wrestling-wise speaking, that 2015 the future will have officially arrived. You know, that was officially predicted in Back to the Future, which I'm a huge mark for, and I think that is come to fruition. I will certainly say that all the Heavy, uh, the tall hype that this year has been getting, that, that this year is, uh, the, 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 the heavy hype that surrounded this year going into 2015, it's lived up to it. Dare I say exceeded it. And I think that's, that, that bows, you know, that's a great sign for the remainder of 2015 and what the future holds. So I'm very much looking forward to it. But anyway, as we close out the show here, best matches up to this point, you know, of the year so far, I've talked about this in articles. I know RJ wrote an article about it from Next Year Wrestling, and I, Definitely agree to this list, full, you know, through and through. Um, best matches up to the year up to this point. Love the Ambrose and Rollins matches, the triple threat title match of the Royal Rumble. Best match so far of 2015, in my personal opinion, would have to be Owens and Cena from, you could say from Money in the Bank or Elimination Chamber. You know, both were phenomenal. It doesn't really matter. I'd go with the Elimination Chamber one because it was the first time ever. Um, it's hard to beat that, you know, that special mystique factor about it. But, um, yeah, I'd probably say that was the best match so far this year. The triple threat title match with Brock, Cena, and Rollins. Oh, don't even get me started. Just fantastic stuff. Um, that's probably my second best match of the year. Brock and Reigns from WrestleMania 31 at my number three. Number four would probably be Orton and Rollins also from WrestleMania, if not my number five. Um, the NXT matches with Owens and Zayn, and also the women's matches, that Fatal 4-Way in February was great. Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch, a great match again. Um, so many great matches. And Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan from Fastlane was also phenomenal. So you can, you know, mix and match those matches, and um, you wouldn't be wrong. We've had so many awesome matches so far this year, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what else this year holds in the months that remain of 2015. And that, folks, will wrap up this week's edition of WrestleRant Radio. Thank you for listening. I guess all that TNA talk filled up the hour after all, that ranting on TNA's current state. And as I mentioned, maybe something changed by Wednesday. I have no idea. But um, I will be on vacation this week. I have all the videos and everything else pretty much set up. I recorded hashtag AskGSM today. That should have already been up on Monday. The WrestleRant video for YouTube reviewing 1993 SummerSlam. That should be up on Tuesday, too, bearing any sort of change. Um, just kind of getting set, and some articles may not be up on time and stuff this week. Just kind of depends on what my schedule 
kind of shapes up to be. I really have no idea. I really have no set, you know, set in stone agenda of what I'm going to be doing in New Hampshire this upcoming week. But it will be there from Monday to Friday. Restaurant Radio, as you're listening to right now. New episodes are up every single Tuesday right here exclusively on Next Era Wrestling. You can listen to the exclusive excerpts of the show on the YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash C backslash Graham GSM Matthews. Um, also, you can find me on Twitter at WrestleRant, on Facebook at Facebook.com, backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews. And that's about it for these shameless plugs, I believe, for where you can find me on social media. Um, Tough Enough is on tonight as well. If you're listening to this early on on Tuesday, hopefully going to be watching it live. If I can, if I can't, oh well, I'll watch it on Wednesday. That's what I did last week. The power went out. That's how I barely got this episode up last week. But speaking of last week, just came to my mind, my exclusive interview with former WWE star Bros Clay, current TNA star, for now anyway, for as, you know, for as much as I know, uh, Tyrus, my interview with him went up last Tesday. We talk all about his time in NXT, TNA, WWE, the Funkasaurus, acting, commentary, and so much more. Awesome conversation. If you didn't already listen to it, please do so on last week's edition of WrestleRant Radio right here on Next Air Wrestling. Finally, uh, for our latest article updates and stuff, this stuff should already be up or will be up, whatever, on Hidden Remote, my top 10 bold match predictions for WrestleMania 32. Got a lot of cool feedback on that. It's up at HiddenRemote.com. Also, for what culture, if it's not up on Monday, it should be up on Tuesday or Wednesday. But my, to- my, my 10 bold predictions for the remainder of 2015 in WWE, you're not going to want to miss that. So it's a perfect time to be plugging that, considering today marks the midway mark of 2015. As I mentioned, folks, it's been a great year. Thank you for your awesome support. You guys are great. Have a remarkable rest of 2015. Enjoy your week, and I'll catch you folks down the road.